Hey guys, I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm the chief creative officer, a motivational speaker, and a life and business coach at a company called Rayma Team. I'm also thriving in the face of a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis. This weekly podcast is a series of real-life stories and conversations meant to encourage you with hope and more importantly, equip you with action steps to transform your life, your career, and your relationships. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. All right, Overcomers, before we dive into a brand new episode, I want to talk to you about something super important. Have you ever tried to keep up with a gratitude journal, but felt like it was kind of stale? Something that I hear over and over again from brand new clients is that they have a hard time finding five things to be thankful for. And really, this can be a really challenging exercise when you don't already have that attitude of gratitude. So we have made it super simple for you here at Rayma Team. We actually turned what used to be a 30-day journal that you had to purchase, we turned it into a free download. That's right. You don't have to wait for the journal to show up at your door. You can actually go and download it and start using it right now. In fact, our private clients have loved this content so much that they went into the coaching vault and started devouring it before I ever made it part of their homework assignment. So here's how it works, okay? You set a timer for five minutes every day and answer one question a day for 30 days. That's it. I guarantee you're going to find things to be grateful for that you've never thought of before. So you can go get your download instantly at www.raymateam.com forward slash gratitude builder. Again, that's www dot r-a-y-m-a-t-e-a-m dot c-o-m forward slash g-r-a-t-i-t-u-d-e-b-u-i-l-d-e-r raymateam.com forward slash gratitude builder. I seriously cannot wait to hear how your outlook improves when you apply this gratitude builder to your life. Seriously, you have to come and tell me, okay? So go get your download right now and let's grab our coffee and dive into a brand new episode of the podcast for this week. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm happy to be back with you after a short break. And today I am going to introduce you to a friend of mine that I recently met. Her name is Kelly Sisson, and she has a podcast that you should totally look up. It's called Kelly and the Encouragers. For real, it's the most fun podcast name ever. Kelly and the Encouragers, go look her up. In fact, tomorrow on the show, on her show, I'm going to be interviewed by her. So we're kind of doing like a podcast takeover week between the two of us. Well, Kelly Sisson is a wife, a mother, a mental health therapist, a podcaster, and a hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. 
She has a deep desire to spread the Kelly and the Encouragers mission throughout the world. She has always wanted to change the world from a very young age, and after a recommendation from her older sister, Kelly decided to become a social worker and ultimately a mental health therapist. Kelly has been the owner of Sisson Counseling Services since 2015. So let's dive in and meet my new friend, Kelly, as we have a conversation about mental health and a couple other things. Enjoy. All right, Kelly, welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me on today. I'm so excited about this. You are so welcome. So for my listeners, we are actually um, kind of having like a podcast marathon because yes. <laughs> um, earlier today, we I, I did an episode on Kelly's podcast, which I believe comes out uh, the day after this one will, is what we're kind of planning. And so we've just been playing podcast show today, swapping yes. roles. Absolutely. It's just kind of like we're hanging out. So that's nice. It's been fun. Absolutely. So um, Kelly is the host of Kelly and the Encouragers, a podcast that I highly recommend you listen to. I was listening to this on my on my break because we took a break between recording podcasts. Yep. And the episode that I've been listening to that I absolutely love right now is Stepping into the Wilderness. And so I, I believe we are both fans of Brene Brown. Yes. And so, um, Kelly, if you could just take a moment and tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what it is you do, and let's just dive into having a great conversation um, about your story, your life, and a little bit about your expertise in the area of mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Kelly Sisson, and I am actually originally from Illinois. Um, my husband and I moved here to North Dakota. I live in Jamestown, North Dakota, or I guess I should say around Jamestown, North Dakota. Um, I live in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to even get things like the internet there, but <laughs> we have been here for about five years, almost six now, and I'm a mental health therapist and have a private practice, system counseling services in Jamestown, um, and as me and Indeed mentioned, I have my podcast, Kelly and the Encouragers. Um, but first and foremost, I, you know, I would say that I am a wife and a mother. I have a almost four-year-old son. Um, and it has just been so fun to be a mom. Very hard um, in a lot of moments, but also very fun. And I'm just passionate about helping to encourage those around me and encourage myself to really just live the best type of life that we can in whatever way we define that. I love that. And I don't know that I told you this, Kelly, but I actually grew up in Carrington, which is about 45 minutes away from Jamestown. And Jamestown was the place we would go when we wanted to go on a date to a movie theater that had choices because <laughs> the Carrington theater only had one theater and one choice for like a month or two at a time. So, I mean, Jamestown was kind of a big deal to yeah. our little place. So, yes, I love that. I love that. The big hop in city, you know? <laughs> yes. 
Oh, that's awesome. So I I love how you say that you have a passion for encouragement. And I'm wondering, is this something that you have always had? You know, it's it's almost hard for me to identify that. I've thought a lot about that, especially over this past year, um, because encouragement has just kind of grasped onto my life and taken hold. And um, it seems like anywhere I go and everything that I do, the word encouragement comes out or some form of that is shown through. And so I have thought a lot about like, even when I was young, did I encourage others? And I, I think that I did. I just didn't do it to such a deep level. You know, I think it's always been something that's fairly natural to me. Um, it was something that if a friend had a really, you know, something really great happen or they got a really good Christmas present or whatever that may have been when I was little, I would be really excited for them. And at times it was to the point when I would get so excited for people. I even remember um, my my parents at one point being like, well, okay, you know, like this is a lot of energy, <laughs> but I just really, um, I get very excited for people when I know that they have either had something fantastic happen in life or they have had a struggle and they're getting through that. And it's just been a way that, especially over the last few years as I have grown and just being really authentically myself, that I have felt more and more comfortable encouraging others to do the same thing. I think that we are kindred spirits because I like to say that I'm an encourager at heart too. It's just something that comes out of me and it's something that I also need more of in my life. I think I thrive on encouragement. And so I really appreciate the fact that you've made this a passion of yours because I think the world needs more of that. I would absolutely agree. And I think like we were talking previously, you know, when you need something, it's something that a lot of times you give. And so I require um, some encouragement as well throughout life. And so of course it makes sense that that's kind of, it's almost my love language, to be honest. Like that's how I show people that I care about them. And obviously there's varying degrees of that, but um, that, that encouragement piece, I truly believe can change the world. If we could just grasp onto that and share that more. So how did you come into this whole industry of being a therapist and marrying that encouragement along with therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a funny story. Um, whenever I share this, people are like, is this seriously why you became a social worker? But it's absolutely true. I didn't really like anything else. I really did not. You know, I would think like, you know, I don't really like math. I don't, I'm not interested. I am interested in history now, but I wasn't at the time. Like nothing really stuck with me. And my sister actually was in college and she just said one day, like, what if you tried social work? Like you like helping people, you know, I feel like you'd be able to kind of, you know, help assist people. That wasn't quite her wording. I think it was more so like you would be able to tell people what to do, but that's not what I do. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, she mentioned it and I got to looking into it and my goodness, I just, um, I fell in love with it. And when I was in undergrad, there was just something about learning about myself and learning about other people and why we operate the way that we do and how we can change that. That just was so interesting to me. So throughout my career, you know, when, um, when I got out into the field, I started noticing more and more that I would gravitate towards those harder moments. Mm -hmm. I was, um, 
at a medical inpatient hospital. And I remember having conversations, you know, with people about hospice and it would be, you know, the whole family would be there and the room. And I would be talking with them about, you know, what are your choices and, and helping them through those hard moments. And there's just something in me that I thought, you know, therapy is the route I need to go. And so I, I, you know, there's several different things that you have to do in order to become a therapist. And so I went through all of that and um, started a private practice. It's been about five years ago now and um, did that part-time for a while. And now I'm doing that full-time and it has just been an amazing experience. And I think throughout my time as a therapist, I have always just had that piece of encouragement. You know, when a client tells me, you know, I had this really hard moment, but I was able to do this. Like I am cheering right along with them and I am supporting them through that. And I think that's always been molded in there. Uh, Maybe more so now, now that it's just really become such a focus in my life. One of my goals is truly to be the most encouraging person that I know. And it's, I want to be really clear. It's not a competition by any means, but what that does for me is that keeps it at the forefront of my mind. And so when I wake up in the morning and I think about my goals, that is something that I think about. And so when I'm interacting with other people, I'm thinking about how can I encourage them? And, and truly it, it comes in encouraging yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge part of it too. So have you had your own experience with working with a therapist or any of your own challenges when it comes to your own mental and emotional health along the way that you've been able to glean some wisdom and firsthand experience from that you end up sharing with your your clients and your listeners? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because as a therapist, I almost hesitate to say this, but it's the truth. Um, I had only been to therapy been about a year and a half, two years ago. Now that was the first time I had ever been to therapy, but there was something throughout like this last five years where I kept thinking like, how do I expect other people to come in here if I haven't experienced it myself? And so I already had it in my mind, like I need to do this. I just need to try it out and see what it feels like. Um, And then I got pregnant and had my son and I dealt with I'm not self-diagnosing, but um, I dealt with like postpartum depression and even more so than that, postpartum anxiety, which we don't talk about enough. And so it wasn't even so much, I mean, yes, I was, I was very sad, but even more so than that, I was concerned at like all moments and not just a little bit concerned, like highly worried, thinking worst case at all points. And um, that was really, really hard for me. Even as a mental health therapist, we still need therapists and we still need to talk with other people and learn new skills. And it wasn't until I took that step to go to therapy that I was able to get some healing from that and from other past traumas. And um, I think all of that has just been completely life-changing. I think that's really awesome that you, that you mentioned that, you know, how do you expect people to work with you when you haven't gone through that yourself? And as a, as a life and business coach myself, I definitely know that I need somebody that is is helping me along the way too. And the question that I always get asked is what's the difference between therapy and coaching? Um, how have you first of all, have you ever been asked that before? You know, I haven't necessarily personally been asked that, but I have listened to so many podcasts trying to differentiate it in my own mind of, you know, like, what is that difference? Because if a client asks me, you know, like, what do you think about coaching or do you have any recommendations of who I can work with? I wanted to have a really good understanding of it. 
And so from what I've heard, and maybe you'll have some feedback on this too, Mandy, but my understanding of how it differentiates is a lot of times with therapy, you know, we're really processing through some of those hard, hard truths of your life and hard moments that have been so impactful in your life that it has changed how you operate throughout life and coaching more. So my understanding of it is that it's looking more so at like where you are now and where you're wanting to go like goal wise, rather than the mental health aspect. And obviously that all, I want to be really clear that all interacts for sure. Um, But that's my understanding. So I don't know if you have some feedback or I think that's a great way to explain it because I think um, that's definitely that's definitely what it is. Coaching is way more accountability. Um, it can sometimes be a little in your face depending on the the dynamic of the relationship and the permission that you get from your client as a coach as to how much accountability and tough love they need. But I, and I think they're both needed because oh, yeah. that understanding of what happened in your past and. Um, all of that is always good. And I think sometimes people have this idea that therapy is only for people with issues, Mm. not realizing that we've all gone through things that have affected the way that we think about our lives or affected the way that we interact with other people because of past relationships or the way that we're filtering our processes. And so I would love to talk a little bit about that stigma that is happening, or I actually think it's getting better, but has been there in the past about going through therapy versus, you know, working with somebody like a coach for accountability, because I myself have worked with both. And just this past week, I actually started my first session again with a new counselor because it's been years since I went to one. But I realized that I've, first of all, never really worked on the trauma that happens from growing up with a disease. And I've never, um, I've started to notice some of of my own patterns when it comes to the grief cycle. And so I kind of just wanted to work with somebody to go through that and pay attention to, okay, what are my patterns and how can I have better habits to not fall into depression or anxiety when grief or loss happens? Because this is life, it's going to happen. So let's talk a little bit about that stigma that's happening around mental health, around therapy and counseling and how we can move forward in making it a positive experience instead of something that's looked at in a negative light. Absolutely. You know, I I love that you bring that up and that you mentioned that you feel like it's getting better because I do as well. I think the more that we can talk about it and share, um, especially people who you know, are more in like the public eye. I think when you, you know, we have actresses and actors now that are talking about, or, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I'm like, so not into sports. I'm not going to lie. I was like, what do you, what are we called? Athletes. Hello. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not either, but yes, athletes. Athletes. Yes. Athletes. So we have athletes talking about that, or, you know, maybe your friend tells you that they've been to therapy, you know, things like that, I think have really impacted the awareness and willingness to know that therapy is okay. I also think, honestly, you know, we hear a lot about the younger generations, right? And like how, oh, they this or they that, or they like their technology too much. But 
you know what they're getting right? Talking about their mental health. They're absolutely getting that right. Mm, that's so good. It's true. And uh, several weeks ago, I was speaking at this conference in Bowman, North Dakota. It was the Fusion Conference, which, by the way, it happens like every year. And it's a personal, professional, and community development conference. And it's, I mean, they have people from Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota. I mean, it's this really awesome conference. And they had asked me to be on the mental health panel, which I thought was interesting because they had a counselor, they had a a high school basketball coach, and then they wanted me as a life coach on there. And so I shared a little bit more from the perspective of my own journey, because coaching is not therapy. I mean, they there can be moments where it overlaps, but really people who need to come to terms with their past and work through some of that, they really need a therapist because a coach is really there for that accountability. Um, and having both at the same time can actually work beautifully, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, they asked me some really great questions on that panel. And so some of those questions are what I wanted to ask you today because I thought, why not? Let's just talk about it. So one of the questions that they asked was, what are some signals or key indicators that we can recognize in others or even in ourselves um, to, to show that they may be struggling? Sure. Yeah. You know, that is a really great question. I I think one of the hard parts about it is that it's so individualized. So I'll certainly throw out some things, but I want to be really clear that there can be other indicators as well um, that can happen or additional um, situations that are a struggle. One of the main things that I think is helpful is actually to have feedback from family or friends. If somebody keeps saying to you, like, something just seems different or like, you know, you just seem a little bit off or are you okay? Like questions like that from other people, I think can be a good indication that something has shifted for us. Mm-hmm. That is good. Yes. Our family and friends do, they probably pay attention more than we realize. Yes. Um, I know for me, like the fall is kind of my grief anniversary season because that's when the fire happened and I had um, a loved one pass away a couple of year, a year before that, right around the end of August, beginning of September. And so it's usually around, you know, the end of August to the middle of October, where I just feel a little more, um, a little more sad. I'm gearing up like ready for that anniversary of the, of the fire to come. And then usually afterwards I'm okay. But what I noticed this year is it was my husband who was saying, Um, you know, when I was talking to him about maybe I should go see a counselor again, I'm not quite sure what for, but I think maybe it's time again. And he just mentioned that it's always this time of year where, um, quite frankly, I'm a little bit harder to deal with because um, I have that, you know, a little bit more sadness or just, just a little bit, I'm a little more uh, touchy emotionally. I get a little bit more anxious or short with people. And so having that ability to ask the people closest to you, I think is really good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there may be things too that, you know, it sounds like there are things even for you that you were identifying, like this is different for me. This is different for me in the fall. And so those are really, really, really important uh, as well. 
things, of course, like sadness, you know, a lot of crying. There's nothing wrong with crying. I want to be really clear. It's actually really helpful and beneficial for us to let our emotions out. Um, but if you find that you can't get through your day um, without crying, or maybe you can't not even get through your day without crying, but if you're just sitting at work working, you know, and you burst into tears, you know, those are moments where uh, your emotions may not necessarily match where you're at in that exact moment. And so that can be an indication. Do your emotions match what what are what's currently going on? Or is it something where that might be a response to something in the past or, or a worry that you have about the future too? You know, thinking worst case scenario. I have a lot of people that will say to me, you know, I was driving down the road and I, you know, I saw that I saw me crashing into something or I saw a car accident happening. And, um, you know, I just saw that it was so vivid. It felt so real. Well, those are indications that, you know, there may be something going on. There may be some anxiety, you know, underlying, there could be some situational um, stuff going on as well. And so I think it's important to, you know, keep mindful of that. I mean, there are always the the really, really important signs to pay attention to. Of course, I want to mention, you know, if you're having suicidal thoughts, there are varying degrees of those two. So there are people who may have suicidal thoughts that may seem something like this, you know, I really do want to die. Like I want to leave your office right now and I plan to commit suicide. There are other people who just think, you know, if I, let's say I got cancer tomorrow and I passed away, I'm going to be okay with that. And those are two different um, degrees of that as well. So that can be an indication too. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you said about how what this generation has gotten right is, or what the younger generation has gotten right is they talk about their mental health. Why do you think there is such a stigma around not talking about it um, for for other people and, and why it's taken this younger generation to speak up? for us to all be listening a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I think there are several things that have gone into it. Um, I do think that as parenting styles have shifted as well, you know, if we think, if I think back to my, how my parents were raised, it was very much like we, you know, pull ourselves up, you know, by our bootstraps, keep trucking along. And, you know, that's kind of the Midwestern way in general is just like to keep going. But at some point, sometimes you just can't. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or anything like that. It's just that is the point that you're at in life. And so I think now that the parenting has shifted some to allowing, you know, kids to really show their emotion or try to learn more about emotion, I think that has been really helpful. The other thing, though, truly, I think is that we have more information at our fingertips. You know, we can access nearly anything on the Internet at any point in time. So whereas like we may have wondered when we were younger, you know, what's going on with this? We didn't really have anyone that we could, a lot of times felt like we could ask or at least not resources that we could just search like that and get answers to. Mm -hmm. And so I think having some of that information out there has been really helpful as well. How do you think social media has impacted the mental health of our society? Has it, is it good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in between? Yeah. You know, I am definitely um, someone who I believe that there is good and bad in, in all of us and in all situations. And so I would say that it is good in some sense. So I, I think depending on your interaction with it, it can be really helpful. You know, if you are on Instagram and you are following people who are, you know, wanting to, 
you know, reach for whatever they're wanting to do to live their best life, to move forward. And that's inspiring to you. You know, that's good. But there are some people, can I just, maybe I'll just give an example. Um, So there's a lady that I follow. Her name is Jenna Kucher. And she just spent, this is a while back, but spent a whole month on a beach in Hawaii with her husband while her business essentially ran itself. Okay. I didn't even know that was like a thing that people my age can do. So when I saw that, I was like, what? You can live, <laughs> you can live in Hawaii a month? Are you kidding? This is so cool. But there are people who maybe would have saw that and would have had a really negative reaction to that. And so that I think is, is the main thing is it's not even sometimes the information that's being put out there. It's our own perception. It's our own lens that we see that through. And, and that's a huge, huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever pay attention to Jay Shetty? Yeah, yeah. Yep. He had a podcast episode recently with Khloe Kardashian, and they talked about kindness and how, um, you know, there are so many people who go online and they are just rude and mean to people. And I don't pay attention to the Kardashians that much. My bestie absolutely loves them. She thinks Uh they're great businesswomen to watch. But um, I really appreciated what Chloe had to say. Look it up. It's it's just from like last week or something. Um, but she mentioned how we all have feelings and nobody can tell us when we're supposed to feel better about something. Yes. And I think in my own journey with mental health, one of the things that going through the hard seasons of my life taught me is that... I used to be the type of person who would have this mindset of just hurry up and get over it, hurry up and get over it. And what that actually did is it it stuffs your feelings and you don't actually deal with it until one day you're forced to, because it just erupts. And so I think, I I think um, there are a lot of people out there who still have that mindset of hurry up and get over it. And you had just mentioned something in all of that of, of like, you know, feeling your emotions is good, but you need to be able to know what to do with that. Um, What would you tell the people who have maybe had that outlook of, oh, just hurry up and get over it. You know, you should be over this by now. What, What could you share with them as some wisdom so that they can maybe develop some empathy if they've never gone through something themselves? It's hard to it's kind of hard to understand that until you go through it. But I, I wish I would have had some people telling me this type of thing. Like, wait a minute, you, you can't just hurry up and get over it. So from, from your point of, of view from as a therapist and an encourager, what are some encouraging words to share with somebody who has heard that or has said that? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You know, I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that we all process through things differently. So what might take me, I don't know, six months to a year, maybe longer, might not take someone as long. It it goes back, for me, it goes back to the lens that we look through. So if you imagine even like eyeglasses, you know, um, so, or your prescription, So one thing happens, it kind of cloudies your vision. Another thing happens, it cloudies your vision. Another thing happens. So depending on different things that you have had happen, it can change the way that you are seeing essentially. And so you may need some additional skills to be able to work through that. But there's not a timeline to grief. There's not a timeline to healing from your trauma. 
there is not a timeline to saying, okay, now you can't be anxious anymore. I mean, these, these are things that take time. And quite honestly, the more, you know, self-compassion and grace that we give ourselves, honestly, the easier it is to heal. I mean, if you are constantly telling yourself or someone else just to get over it, that can be one, it can just be really dangerous because we don't know where someone else's mental health is. So that's one portion of it. Um, We don't want to add to anyone's discomfort or sadness by any means. But the other part of it is, is if you're resisting something to that degree, to that level, then it actually ends up taking over your life. Ooh, that's, that is deep right there. Can you, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what for me, maybe a good example would be if you are struggling in a relationship with my mother-in-law is fantastic, but I'm just going to pick on mother-in-laws because that seems to be like a relationship that really struggles. So if you're struggling with your mother-in-law and you just keep telling yourself, you know what, just ignore it. Don't worry about it. Um, It doesn't matter. You know, I, I just need to get over this. I need to, whatever that looks like, then you're way more focused on it than if you just allowed yourself to be hurt by a situation. Or if you did just lean into it a little bit and ask yourself like, why is this particular relationship so challenging for me? Is it truly that she's so terrible? Or is it actually because when she talks to me like that, that reminds me of my great aunt who was not super respectful or my second grade teacher, or um, it, it makes me feel like I am not being heard. And my childhood, I was always told that I you know, needed to be quiet or whatever, whatever that may look like. Our reaction to someone is, this is what's so hard to be honest. You know, we often, I tell myself this as well, like their reaction is not about me, but on the same token, like our reaction is not about them. So we're responsible for that too. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard that flipped like that before, but it's true. So their reaction isn't about me, but our reaction isn't about them. That's good. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to hear that and to, um, really hold on to that, especially when you're just upset. I mean, we all get upset at some point, myself included, and it is much easier to say, I can't believe that they did that rather than like, you know, why, why is this happening? You know, I had a, without, I won't go into the story, but without going into it all, um, I had a situation with a friend where it was something very, very small. And I kept thinking, why is this bothering? Mm -hmm. Like, why is this in particular so hard for me when it's such a small thing that they mentioned? And what it boiled down to is that throughout my life, not everyone in my life, but there have been certain people who have said, I am too, either too loud or too quiet. Um, I'm talking too much or I'm not doing this or I'm too active or I'm not engaged enough. And so it was a lot of, um, for me, it was a lot of, you know, I'm either one thing or the other. And so hearing that what I was doing wasn't necessarily matching up with what was helpful for them in that moment was pretty hard to hear because it felt like to me, they weren't saying this, but to me, it felt like, okay, this is just another person telling me that I'm too much. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't take a step back and look at that, you know, sure, that could have ruined our relationship, truly, if I wouldn't have had that, that awareness to be able to say, okay, this is my response to them. This is not about what they said. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I really appreciate about that is when you stop to ask yourself those questions, you actually kick in your ability to problem solve. Yes. Absolutely. And 
people are more capable of solving their own problems than they give themselves credit for. They just have to start asking the right questions instead of going down that same spiral of the same old negativity path. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have people a lot that will um, be, you know, they'll have great success in their life and they'll make so much progress and they'll come in and we, you know, we can continually, we talk about, you know, is is therapy once a week necessary? Do we need to drop down to every other week? Are we going to do a month? Like, where are you at? You know, we can always increase as needed. And so we have these conversations because for one, I want to make sure that I'm offering them what they truly want. And I want people to know they have flexibility. The other aspect of it is people, I don't want people to be reliant on their time with me. I want to be able to process with them and give them the skills to then go out and live their life mm-hmm. of how, how they see fit. And I will have people that will say to me, you know, you don't know, you know, the changes that you made in my life. And I always, always throw it back to them. Like, that is so kind of you to say, but here's what I really want you to hear. This is the work that you did. I am with you one hour out of your week, maybe. Maybe one hour out of the month. And do you really think that I'm changing your life that much, that I have just changed all of this? No, it's that work that you're doing outside of therapy that's Mm -hmm. making the difference. I really, I really love that outlook and, and how you bring that back to them because... I think there's this, um, I had this podcast episode a couple months ago with Rachel, where it was the unintended dangers of accountability. Because I think what happens sometimes if we're not careful, both as the coach or therapist and as the, the client, is you can become codependent with your therapist or your coach and oh, think yeah. that you can't get somewhere without them. And that's just not true. I think I think when you're first starting out, you definitely need a little bit more accountability or you need to meet more often because it's a new journey. It's a new skill. It's a new path of healing. And you can't do that on your own right away because you need that other person to, to process with and to keep accountable. But eventually, you you should get to a point where you're growing stronger and stronger and you don't need to rely on them as heavily. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think with anything, you know, the, the goal is to get people as independent and to take ownership of their own lives and to, to notice their own value that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And um, it, our, our work matters, obviously. It matters significantly in people's lives. But um, how I know that I'm doing my job is if someone comes to therapy and says, you know, I really think that I'm, I'm ready to be done right now. I think I'm just mm-hmm. doing really good and I've made that progress. And, and that to me is, is how I know that um, I've been able to, to help them through some of those hard things. And, and that's, you know, I have people sometimes that are kind of nervous about that. They're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want you to be upset that, you know, I'm feeling like I'm ready to be done. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the best thing. Like, I want you to get to the point, you know, I love meeting with my clients, but I want them to get to the point where they're like, you know, I think that I'm going to be okay or not even, I think I know I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep yourself filled up so that you can keep pouring into others? You know, that is something that I have been learning, um, especially over these last two years. And so for me, it comes down to a few things. It's keeping really clear boundaries of my time. Um, That has been something that um, has consistently been a challenge for me. Uh, I 
throughout my whole life, really. I just really enjoy helping people. And you know, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you like, well, what do you like to do? And like, my answer was always like, we'll talk with people. You know, that was always what I like to do. And that is an interest of mine. But at the same time, especially with the emotional load of the work that I do, I have to be very, very aware of of that time that, that I'm investing in myself and my family as well. So I flood myself with audiobooks, podcast, positiveness. I'm very particular about who I let in my life now. Um, if people are energy giving and they're, you know, people who like what I'm looking for in a friend is somebody to support me and allow me to support them. And then we build each other up. You know, that's, that's really what I love. And I'm at the point in my life where I am more than willing to have new friends. I love to meet people and I love to make new friends. But if it's not a healthy relationship at this point in life, then that may be something I don't give as much attention to for my own well-being. And so I surround myself with people that build me up and I intentionally seek out those resources. Mm -hmm. Was it hard for you to start doing that or to, to kind of restructure your, your relationships, your lifestyle, your mindset in that manner? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a process. It is a process. Um, what's really hard is there, you know, there are people I've had some friends, because um, I lived in such a small area in Illinois that I've had since I was five and six, you know, and um, when you have those, you know, those really deep seated relationships in life, um, those aren't easy just to, to let go. And so I haven't had any, luckily that I've been friends with that long that I felt like I needed to, but there have been people more so that I just, for whatever reason, we're just at different points in life. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me or with them. But for whatever reason, our friend, our level of ability of friendship just did not mesh up. And so um, I've gotten much better at just being okay with the need to pull back and just to, you know, have honest conversations with people about that. Um, if, if they're at a place where they want to have that, and if not, then just, you know, gently drifting away and appreciating that time. I mean, you can appreciate what someone has brought into your life without the need to keep them in your life forever too. I think that's really important to note that. Mm -hmm. I have a friend of mine who has CF and is also a counselor for, um, I think she's a counselor with kids. And she mentioned that, you know, she's thankful for the people that are in her life that are her go-to people that she can rely on. And she's also thankful for the people that aren't in her life because mm -hmm. it's opened up her, her time and her energy what's, to what's supposed to be hers. And I just thought that's such a cool way to look at things. And I think you are maybe the, the only other person who I've heard say it in a similar manner where, you know, not having people in your life is okay too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, though, had you asked me like three years ago, I may not have said that, you know, I may not have said that, that same thing. Um, I tell you though, Jen Hatmaker, so she's an author. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I love her. I love okay. watching her on social media. She has the best posts. She does. She is hilarious. And she just kind of is um, real honest and in a good way, in a really good way. In her book, I think it I'm not sure if it was interrupted or which one of it, or maybe it was for the love, but she talked a lot about how when you say yes to one thing, then you're saying no to something else. And so like, 
Um, if, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And that's kind of how I have lived my life. Like if I'm not all in, then I'm not there at all because that to me is a good indication of that's not where I need to be. And again, that's not about anybody else. It's just about where I'm at in life. And I have to be able, that's the other thing that I've done is just be really aware of my family time and being okay with relaxing. Cause I like to keep busy and even at home, I mean, I'm like on the go and it's hard for me just to relax. And so um, taking moments, even like one of our last nice warm days, I was driving home and needed to get home, but the park was there. And my son said, Oh, there's a park. And I had never noticed it. And I said, Oh, that's fun. He said, can we go? And I thought, why not? Let's, let's just go. And so even decisions like that, you know, he's almost four. And so it was like a 15 minute stop and then he was good. And I think taking those opportunities has really helped a lot. I love that. I think more people need to be able to be present and take advantage of the moment Mm -hmm. than people are doing now. Like that used to be something I think when maybe when we were kids, like our generation growing up, maybe did that better because we weren't so connected with technology and social media and all of that. And now it's like, you have to make sure that you center yourself and stay aware and be in the moment. And it takes, I think it just takes more energy almost, or just more awareness than it ever used to. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think that it's something that has to be so much more intentional than it ever was before. Mm -hmm. So is there a daily habit that you have that has helped make your life better? Yeah, you know, there are a few things that I've incorporated. And so I will admit that I don't get all of them on this on every single day, but I do my best to do that. Um, One thing for me, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with Rachel Hollis, or if you've heard of her or not. Okay, so she's right now her and her husband are doing like the last 90 days. And so that's something that I have been following. And so there are certain things that people can certainly look those up. But the main things for me is making sure I'm getting enough water that is huge for me. I feel way better when I've always loved water. Um, and actually I'm always that person that has like a water bottle anywhere I go reusable, of course, but (laughs) as much as I can, but, um, so I always have some water with me and that has just, um, really been huge for me. But some of the other things that I have incorporated when I have downtime or I have moments where I'm not feeling my best, I do. I have definitely listened to audiobooks or podcasts. That's the time that I put those on to help me through that and help reframe that. Um, Other things for me, you know, I started going, there's a gym here. I'll give them a little shout out. It's called I Will Fitness. It is my favorite gym I've ever been to ever my entire life. I just love the atmosphere they have. I actually had interviewed Lindsay, um, the owner on my podcast, because I just think, um, talk about encouraging. They have the most encouraging environment I've ever seen for a gym. And so I like to go there and I like to go to, they call it RPM. So it's kind of like spinning or cycling as some people call it. And so I like to do that. And on the days I'm able to do that, I feel way better. Um, and so I try to do, it's three times a, well, four times they have it, but I try at least three times a week. Um, it's kind of hard to get into the classes every now and again, um, but they're working on some solutions for that. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. I I love that, that um, well, first of all, that you've found a great gym to be a part of and that they're encouraging at that gym too, because sometimes, I mean, gyms are are busy at different times. And so depending on when you go, sometimes there's not a lot of people around. Right, right. Absolutely. They have a really cool setup. So it's only classes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So there, so, which is kind of nice because then you're always like building community and community mm-hmm. is huge. 
That's awesome. So one question that I always ask people, because I'm a shoe person and I love to know, is if you were a shoe, what would you be and why? Oh, goodness. If I was a shoe, you know, I don't know that I have like one particular, you know, brand or anything, but I would definitely say that I would be like a sneaker because I am, you know, I'm really relaxed. Um, I feel like I'm like comfortable and I can uh, be with you in those hard moments where you need some comfort. So. Oh, I love that. Be with you in the hard moments. (laughs) People like that. And not that we need a ton of people like that, but we all need somebody who will be with us in those hard moments. Absolutely. So Kelly, where can my listeners connect with you online or um, just even in Jamestown? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to, well, social media is probably where you would find me, but I have a website, um, www.kellysisson. So it's K-E-L-L-Y-S-I-S-S-O-N.com. Um, and that's kind of the hub of everything. So it's, you know, I have my therapy practice and um, I provide inpatient or excuse me, not inpatient, but in person um, therapy here in the Jamestown location. I do telehealth across the state of North Dakota. So um, that is on there. My podcast is on there as well. Kelly and the encouragers, or people can just look it up on um, whatever app that they utilize for that. It's on most of those. Um, and then on, on Instagram, I am Kelly and, at Kelly and the encouragers. And then on Facebook, it's actually, actually under my company system counseling services. So Awesome. So if you could leave people with one tip to help them be an overcomer in their own life, what would you leave them with today? You know, I would really encourage people to be brave and be vulnerable and um, know that freedom comes with that. And it's scary, but it has the ability to impact your life in ways that you at this point could never even imagine and also can impact others. I'm a firm believer that we all, the choices that we make, I don't think it just impacts our life. I believe that we're all connected. And um, the reality is that even when we feel lonely and we feel isolated, like society is counting on us to do our part and um, to do whatever it is that we feel like we need to do in life. So to listen to that voice and just be brave. I love that. Society is counting on us. Wow. If there's ever like a quotable thing to write down, that's one of them. Society is counting on us. So (laughs) Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and a little bit of your story and just having this very vulnerable talk about mental health and um, giving people some hope today. Because I think more than anything, that's probably what happened here. At least it did for me. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you so much. Uh, It has just been so fun to be able to spend today with you. It has. We have spent nearly the, you know, a couple hours together (laughs) between the two podcast recordings. So um, for those of you that are listening, be sure to check out Kelly's podcast. Um, It comes out every Tuesday. Is that correct? Awesome. Kelly and the Encouragers and um, my podcast episode with her will be on uh, this week as well. So let's just share both messages because I think um, you guys can spend just as much amount of time with us as we've spent with each other. So absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kelly. And we are definitely going to keep in touch. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much. Hey, 
guys, thanks again for listening. I'll be back with another episode for you next week. But for now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to me. I also want to give a shout out to my very handsome husband, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. For more information, go to www.raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under the name Ms. Mandy B. Anderson. Oh, and one last thing. I hope you heard something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week. <laughs>